Welcome to episode 211 of Stageworthy. I'm your host, Phil Rickaby. Stageworthy is a podcast about people in Canadian theatre featuring conversations with actors, directors, playwrights, and more. In this episode, I'll be talking to Michael Kelly from Shakespeare in Action. You know, over the past few weeks, you've heard me talk about Eldritch Theatre's The Harrowing of Brimstone McCready and how much I love the show. And you know what? Because I love the show, I want you to see it. So I've arranged for you to get a discount on tickets when you use the promo code STAGEWORTHY when you check out at eldritchtheater.ca. So go over, get your tickets, and remember to use the promo code STAGEWORTHY when you check out. Before we get to the episode, I wanted to tell you about another podcast that I co-host with my friend Jess McCauley. It's called The Introvert's Guide 2, and on that show, Jess and I talk about being introverts in what seems sometimes like an extrovert's world. We choose a topic, discuss our experiences with that topic, and we also find advice from social media and from the internet. So check it out. You can find it on Google or Apple Podcast apps or... You can find it on the Google or Apple podcast apps or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can see regular posts from Jess and I on Twitter and Instagram at introvertguide2, that's the number two, or at introvertsguide2.com. If you've been listening to Stageworthy for a while, or maybe you're a first-time listener and you're listening through a link on the website, did you know that you can subscribe so that you never miss an episode? And you can do that by searching for Stageworthy on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts, and clicking the handy subscribe button so that every week a new episode of Stageworthy will be delivered right to you. And if you subscribe, let me know that you're a new subscriber. If you want to drop me a line, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Phil Rickaby, and my website is philrickaby.com. You can find Stageworthy on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at StageworthyPod, and the website where you can find the archive of all 211 episodes at stageworthypodcast.com. As I mentioned, my guest is Michael Kelly. Michael is an actor, director, producer, writer, teacher, and arts educator, as well as the founder and current artistic director of Shakespeare in Action. Shakespeare in Action is presenting Sound and Fury from November 16th to December 7th at Artscape Weston Common in Toronto. you tend to describe uh, a Shakespeare in action? What's your, if somebody is like, what is uh, Shakespeare in action? What's your <laughs> elevator pitch? Uh-huh. Well, that's always a good one. Uh, well, Shakespeare in action is a, a company that I founded about 30 years ago on the basis of, I believed everybody could uh, you know, learn Shakespeare or understand Shakespeare as long mm-hmm. as it was brought to them in a particular or different kind of way. Mm-hmm. And so I believe that um, given me uh, 15 minutes, I could get anybody up on their feet speaking Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. And so that was my goal, and it's still what I can do mm-hmm. with any group of people, no matter who they are, what age range, what level, or what education or background, right. uh, that can still be done. So that was, I think, the basis on which I founded the company because I believe that um, Shakespeare is accessible to everybody. Mm-hmm. I believe there's a lot of mythology around mm-hmm. Shakespeare and a lot of obfuscation around Shakespeare mm-hmm. for different reasons. Um, it being, you know, taught in schools as a piece of literature, 
of course, which it is not really necessarily a piece of literature. These are actually plays which yeah. were meant to be spoken and are meant to be spoken aloud, acted out, and when anybody sees one, even uh, for any reason, they always go, oh, yeah, I get it. Yeah. Well, that's, that's always, I remember when I was in high school many years ago, right. the way that it was taught, you know, yes. we either read it on our own, but more likely, correct. we um, sort of one side of the room, somebody would read a passage, and then the next person would read a passage, and the next person would read a passage. Yeah. And of course, none of it makes any sense of to course. a teenager you, no. who's just yeah. hasn't studied it and doesn't no. know. It sounds like gobbledygook, you it know, does, and yeah. it's terribly uh, difficult for students if they're asked to do that because it puts them in a, an awkward position and mm-hmm. uh, not being able to do that. So uh, when, when I started working with young people around it, um, I always said, well, the only way you can actually work with them is to get them on their feet. Um, and we would use pieces of text which we would have then broken down or edited to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so that would make, one, the speaking easier, right. uh, the flow of it. We would always go over the pieces with them before anything, mm-hmm. you know, to to focus on the words, to focus on metaphor, to focus on anything that we thought was confusing to them. And once you did that, you, re- you, you, know, you could empower them by saying, well, what you just went through was an exercise of recognizing there are only five words on this sheet, uh, this soliloquy that I've just given you, uh, that you said you really don't know. Mm-hmm. So obviously you know 99% of the words on this page. Yeah. So then the words are not the problem, right? Uh, so what we need to do is just go through it and deal with metaphor yeah. because sometimes these metaphors that Shakespeare writes because he was such a you know powerful writer, of course, you know, um, they can be complex. Mm-hmm. So that said, we use metaphor every day as we speak, yeah. and you are well-educated, yeah. and Shakespeare's audience wasn't educated, yeah. so they must have understood these words. So why do we think that they understood these words? Well, obviously from the sound of the words. So the sound of the words then is the thing that supplies the meaning. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to read this aloud first a few times, mm-hmm. and I'm going to ask you a few questions. Yeah. So I do that, when I go back and ask questions, I say, so... What did you feel about that? And they go, well, that felt this way or that way. I said, why do you say, well, why do you say that? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, they would give me an answer and I'd say, well, good, let's turn our pages over now. Tell me the words that you think you don't know. And of course they would name four or five. Yeah. Uh, then I would say, okay, let's great. Good, four or five words. Well, right, let's take the first word. Let's, um, let's uh, you know, speak it aloud. Let's, let's I'd make a gesture with me. Okay, mm-hmm. so I'd throw my arm out or do something with the word. Uh, they would repeat it. Then I'd say, what is, now what does the word sound like? Mm-hmm. And then they said, well, it sounds like, a, I'd say, well, is it hard? Is it soft? Is it dark? Is it light? You know, mm-hmm. what do you think? Well, I think it's a hard word. And I go, oh, good. Okay, so mm-hmm. it, they're the, you know, it is a hard word. Yeah. Now let's look at the words around it. Okay, so we'd straighten that out or, or, or discover actual the meaning of the word pretty quickly. Or they would say it. And I'd say, well, that's essentially, yeah, that's what it means. So notice that by the time we finished that little exercise, we didn't have a dictionary. Mm-hmm. We were just speaking aloud and sounding out the the, the sound of the word yeah. because the sound, as I said, supplies the meaning. So then we go back to the text and we would read it again. And I would say, well, let's pick, a, you know, an, um, for instance, uh, maybe an emotion. Is mm-hmm. it uh, sad, happy, yeah. uh, dark, sad, uh, angry? They let them choose. They'd pick yeah. one. And I'd say, okay, good. Let's read it like that again. You know, mm-hmm. it could be the opposite of what the actual text was. Right. So we'd do it. And then after it was over, again, it's just a matter of, you know, empowering uh, any individual by saying, so, so how did 
that feel? Yeah. Did that feel different? Tell me, tell me what you discovered. Yeah. So I now I'm giving you license to tell me what you discovered, sure. right? Yeah. Rather than me telling you. And yes. I, yeah, yeah. yes, sure. I probably know. Yes, I'm you know schooled in Shakespeare, but the idea wasn't that I'm there to lead you. I'm not there to tell you. You mm. know. Uh, so I would be leading you by asking the questions, the right questions, of yeah. course. And you would give me answers, and I'd say, right, okay, so great, so that means this, and that, okay, you just discovered that, and look at the information that Shakespeare's already giving you, yeah. right? If he says um, this, he means exactly that. It's not a hidden agenda, there is no subtext in Shakespeare, the characters speak exactly their thoughts yeah. as they tell them to you. Uh, uh, we already understand what's going on in the story, because that's the way the stories are designed, right? Um, so if, uh, let's say, Lady M uh, in the Scottish play is saying, you know, uh, um, um, uh, Duncan is coming to my castle, mm -hmm. right? And uh, she would say, the crow, you know, cocks, the fatal yes, entrance yeah. of Duncan under my yeah. battlements. Well, I'm saying, well, so what is she saying, you know? that She's saying that there's a bird, and the bird's screaming. Now the bird has become hoarse from telling you that Duncan, the king, is now coming to your castle, and what did you just say? He, he's coming, to, he, he's entering the, the fatal entrance of Duncan. So it's fatal means what? Yeah. Say, say death, okay? Yeah. Oh, she's already told you. Duncan's going to die. Yeah, she yeah, told yeah. you that in the first line, yeah, you know? Yeah. And under my battlements means where? What does the battlement mean? They go, oh, uh, we'll say, well, where are they? They're at Macbeth's castle. Yeah. Battlements, of course. Yeah, yeah. So she, he's going to come to her castle, and that's where he's going to die. Yeah. She's already told you at the very beginning of first sentence what's going to happen. At the rest of it, she's going to give you exactly what's going to happen and the order in which it's going to happen. Yeah. And she's going to tell you that she's going to stab him. And she says, in the dark... And she says, hold, you know, and make it dark. And then she says at the end, hold, hold, I'm done. Yeah. So, you know, I take them through that pretty quickly, though. Yeah, yeah. In, in, I say in 15 minutes. And they go, oh, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> when, I get it. when you're, the, predominantly the people who are coming to you, are they high school yeah. students? Uh, mostly, I yeah. would say, yeah, we do uh, productions or we do shows, of course, for the general public also. Mm -hmm. uh, but we had focused and always have been focused on developing the, the young people and getting them interested in Shakespeare. Right. And they, we, seeing that that would be hopefully the next audience or the arrival of the next audience. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's always, as I said, it's most uh, incredibly empowerful, uh, empowering, I should yeah. say, for young people when you infuse them with the language of Shakespeare because it just makes them feel, I mean, the language is elevated anyway, right? right? It's written in a heightened form yeah. of poetry, so it makes them feel something. And I yeah. go, great. They generally walk out of there feeling good about themselves, you know, uh, uh, about the language running through them and the discoveries they've made while you're doing it with them. So it's... Do, when, when, when the high school students are coming to you, yeah. to, you to learn from you, uh, yeah. do, you, do, you have, do they have a particular attitude about, about Shakespeare when they're coming to you? <laughs> have they figured out, do they think they don't like it yet? 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, you could survey them pretty quickly, and you could say something very general like, um, uh, okay, so have you read the play or not read the play? Uh, they may say yes, no. Uh, or how many uh, people, uh, do, you know, and you can be honest with me, how many people like Shakespeare? Mm, maybe a few hands go up. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, how many people don't like it at all? Some more hands go up. How many people just are confused and having trouble? Yeah, yeah. You know, and then maybe, you know, a, a fair number of hands go up. Uh, and you say, okay, that's great. Well, you know, what we're going to do is we're, we're going to play with Shakespeare. We're going to have some fun here, okay? Yeah. And, um, and we're all going to learn, you know, about Shakespeare and how it works and how, you know, incredibly, in fact, easy it is for us, uh, you know, to, to work with the language, right? So we're going to take you through, we're going to take you through that exercise. And, um, uh, so yeah, they're pretty. They're pretty open to okay. So I don't know exactly what we're gonna do, but you know, we're very good at what we do, and you know, uh, we designed these workshops that we do with students and things before, or during schools, or after school, or at our own space, so that. Um, the, the whole idea is um, they're engaged the whole time they're here. The whole whatever is 60 minutes, 75 minutes. You never stop. You never sit down. You right. never, you know, there's no time. The yeah, students yeah, yeah. go, no, 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 here we go. Yeah, yeah. Okay, come on, let's go. And we're going to do this. Here's another exercise we're going to do. Here's another exercise. And, you know, and after they do these exercises, it's like, yes, okay, great. So, you know, if I was teaching teachers, which I've done o over my career, uh, I'd say, well, you know, uh, here, look, you know, this is how you start, you know. Don't come in to start reading the play, you know? Mm -hmm. you, you have to introduce the language. You have to break the language barrier for the young people because this is what they're stuck with, you know? I, if we're teaching Shakespeare to kids in grades two, three, and four, which we do, I say, they never question, oh, gee, uh, this is really hard, or well, who's Shakespeare? Yeah. Why am I doing this? They're going, yeah. this is really fun. You know, if we do something like, well, here's Romeo and Juliet. The scene is about, well, do you bite your thumb, sir? Mm. I do bite my thumb, sir. Okay, so I want you to bite your thumb when they say this, and yeah. they do it. And you see them light up, and, there's, and they'll say, oh, can we do that again? Right, and you right, go, right. of course we can do it again, right? Yeah. Because for them, the, the, the language is new. So their acuity of the language is much higher, perhaps, you know, than you and I, because yeah. now we've been using these words for X numbers of years, whereas they're coming across these things for the first time with no knowledge of necessarily who Shakespeare was, yeah. no knowledge of he was an old, you know, dead white writer 400 years ago. All they know is, yeah, okay, you're here and yeah. you're going to have some fun. Yeah. Um, so so they, they, they buy in right away. Now, we jump to the high school level, of course. Now, kids have been in school for eight or nine or ten years. Uh -huh. <clears throat> Uh, then we all of a sudden throw the text at them, right? right? And they think it's a book, and I'm going, well, no, it's actually a play, right? right. But that said, they open it up, and what do they, what do they see? They see a bunch of poetry, you know, and yes, they're going yeah. like, what? You know, thou poisonous slave got by the devil himself upon thy wicked dam come forth, I say? Mm -hmm. Like, what does that mean? Yeah. She goes, that's how they're reading it word by word. So they're not, I mean, I, I, I particularly, I, I understand that. Yeah. Uh, and so um, there's no introduction to Shakespeare. So what I would say to teachers is, okay, first off, here's what you're going to do. You're going you're gonna to just play around with these Shakespearean insults, right? So it's an exercise. You give them the exercise, 
basically called wordplay, mm. right? And they play and they get to, you know, use Shakespearean insults where they mm. get to insult each other. And I say, they preface it with the word thou. So, you know, thou balding blasphemous and charitable dog, thou nightfly, thou, you know, washcloth. You know, I said, you can make them up if you want. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what yeah. Shakespeare did. I said, and by the way, I said, the reason that there sometimes you see them as uh, having a hyphen in them is because he's put together two different ideas or two different worlds. Yeah. So if he says she-wolf, well, it's a human and a wolf. Yes. And now he's created a new word for yeah. us, right? So I said, so look, it's all kinds of fun. So they, they have lots of fun doing that, and they're giggling and, you know, playing with each other. Yeah. And then I'll give them another exercise to do with just using lines, you know, so you're subtly introducing the idea of using the language of mm -hmm. Shakespeare. Um, you know, and you design that as, as, as if it's like a tiny mini scene between two people that takes about 30 seconds, right. you know. You say a line, I say a line. You say a line, I say mm -hmm. a line. And... Well, they say them back and forth. The others could be watching, they're laughing, they're all having a good time. So now we've sort of gotten past the language barrier issue, mm. right? So, so now nobody's worried about thou and thee and what the heck does that mean, right? So now we can go on to saying, okay, now let's look at this, uh, maybe let's look at this speech. So maybe we'll have a choral piece that we've designed for them. We'll have them all working together on it, working on a, on a chorally so they can repeat things together and do things. That makes them feel comfortable. Uh, and we get that you know, through that, and then we'll say maybe move on. We're going to go a little further, say we're going to take a speech now, and maybe it's uh, Hamlet's to be or not to be speech. We could pick a number of them, right? But anyway, so say we do that. Yeah. And then I say we go into the speech, we read it a couple of times with them from beginning to end, not ask a lot of questions, just say, turn the page over. Mm -hmm. So what words do you remember? Mm -hmm. They could tell you a whole bunch of words they remember, by the way. And then you can ask them, well, are there any words that stood out? They'll name a few words, mm -hmm. and you'll say, okay, great, fantastic. But look how much we learned from just reading it twice. We read it aloud twice. I didn't ask you anything. You remembered all that information. Yeah. Okay, good, let's turn it over. Turn it over, look at the page again. Okay, now look down the page, tell me any other words that you think you don't know. Again, give an example, maybe five they're gonna pick out. We'll, we'll take those words, we'll play with the words, we'll act them out, we'll, we'll, we'll you know, figure out what they, the words mean in terms of their meaning by the other words around them. We're ready. Okay, let's go back in and now let's start putting it all together. Right. Yeah, and then we put it together a few more times by reading it. They're comfortable now. Then I can go a little step further. Okay, and now we're going to break it down a bit more. Okay, right. uh, you know, it's like music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that, I mean, one of the things that I think uh, teachers, because they don't spend a lot of time in the theater, yes. don't realize yeah. is that your average audience has an acclimation yes. period to the language. Correct. And so an audience doesn't doesn't sit down and automatically understand the language. No. They have a period of time as they're hearing it where their brain the, adjusts. Right. And then by usually halfway through scene one or into scene two, now they understand nice. they understand the language. And of course you can't expect a student who is reading it and not hearing no. it to walk in and, oh. and, and understand that without <laughs> Some kind of acclimation here. Yeah, I think it's, like, you know, I, I say you're, you're spot on with that. It's like a, anathema for a student because here you are in a classroom and say, well, read this. Now, obviously, what they do is they go, well, read it. And now they're having the students read it silently, yes. for one. So it's like, if I'm reading silently, it doesn't make any sense. No, of course not. And how does that help you if it's meant to be spoken aloud? Yes. Now, if I suppose if I'm going to read it aloud, uh, but now I uh, turn around and I ask you to read this mm -hmm. passage. Well, that's definitely difficult for a student in grade 9 or 10 or whatever because they're going to struggle, you know, 
reading that you know that that those long pieces of poetry right yeah. because that's the way the plays are written you know they're written in you know long speech you know a uh, few lines between characters not a long speech few lines and I say well, that's the way the plays were set up mm-hmm. I mean that was a, f- a form of writing um, and the speeches are you know are, are set up in arguments so you know I teach young people or if I was teaching a teacher I said well no no it's an argument so you have to teach them how they look at an argument. Right. Right. So, you know, it's the same way as you read a paragraph. It has a beginning, middle, ending. Mm-hmm. Am I saying, right? Okay. So, so does this speech as a beginning, middle, ending, right? So, what's the beginning or this is the, uh, you know, the given circumstances or, you know, we look at that. So, here's where it is. Here's what he's talking about. Now, the rest of it is all about the exploration of that. Mm-hmm. And then we get to the end. Here comes a conclusion. Well, sometimes we don't quite come to a conclusion, but sometimes we do. So, you know, if you, if you, could show students that which I will do I'll split the page and you know even show them I have it all typed out see here's your beginning here's your exploration here's your mm-hmm. conclusion yeah oh that's it and I'm going so now you have a road map yes yeah, yeah. like at least you know how to read through the uh, a soliloquy mm-hmm. and how to make sense of it I'm saying on oh, yeah of course it takes a little bit of time but yeah. I'm saying just because uh, you know I'm a actor director or any other actors I have worked with Listen, I mean, we still have to do the homework. We still have to make mm. our way through it. Uh, I, I, I didn't say it's simple no. because Shakespeare is a complex writer, but there's nothing, you know, uh, 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 wrong with being complex. In fact, you know, here we are, well-educated individuals, yeah. right? <laughs> and we, we uh, and so think about it. I said again, you know, over 50% of Shakespeare's audience couldn't read or write. So, but they did go to the theater because remember, yeah. like, this was the theater of the day. This was, you know, like the the new soap opera of the day. Yeah, 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 yeah. it was it. People flocked to the theater to yeah. come and see it, right? And and I said, well, if they didn't, couldn't read or write, so how do you think they understood what was going on? You know? Yeah. And you know, again, yeah. it's like, yes, well, it is a uh, spoken word language. It is the art of spoken word. That's what they were doing. And listen, that audience came to hear the play to hear the words because they were learning new words and language as we know Shakespeare invented hundreds of words of the English language yeah. you know? and I ripped them off with students and go hey punk puke moonbeam assassination courtship you know education destiny yeah. bedroom suburb have you ever heard these words before yeah, and they look yeah. at me like oh yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know? yeah, yeah. but I mean I just saying it to them like here it is that Shakespeare is part of your um, you know your English canon it, you you quote Shakespeare every day but you just don't know you're doing it that's right you know yeah. uh, nobody goes oh hey by the way you just quoted Shakespeare you know but you know people go around saying things all oh it's not the be all and the end yes. all yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, you know it's, it's funny because talking about like you know being yeah. educated people I know yeah. I've been in plenty of rooms uh, yeah. when we're starting to in to, to work on a Shakespeare play and the first day yeah. after we read it yeah. and the first few days are going through and like so what does this mean, mean. <laughs> as, as, as everybody struggles and, and tries yeah. to come to terms with yeah. it because once you've you know, you have to have those conversations, but once you've yeah. had them, yeah. now everybody's on the same page. Right, exactly. Yes, that's what you're saying. I, I agree with that 100%. And oftentimes when you're doing that exercise, no matter who you're with, you could say, um, and I've worked with many types of different groups or peoples at, uh, with, with Shakespeare, uh, and somebody will, and, I, and I, you know, you say a line, there's a metaphor, and somebody comes up with something, and I'll, and I'll say, well, that's really interesting. I've never heard that before. Yeah. And that's what I always find fascinating about Shakespeare, no matter if I've done the scene, you know, 50 times, uh, it doesn't really matter. The next time I do it, I'm always finding something new. And that fascinates me, because mm-hmm. I'm going, what? 
I didn't think of that this time. Yeah. And, oh, let's try this now because I just yeah. got a new idea, a new thought from that. Um, or um, uh, somebody brings, you know, another, uh, 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 yeah, say, interpretation to that <laughs> metaphor. And I'll say, right, never thought of that. How, that's really great. That's because really, everybody comes to Shakespeare with their own experience. That's what I yeah, think too. Yeah, yeah exactly. And 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 and, uh, and that's why it's so fascinating, and uh, and ultimately so you know, uh, fresh in a sense. You know, we yeah. come to it with all having different experiences. And I think, as yeah. I say, if you put people in a room, and you say, "Okay, let's do this," and you you ask their opinions, you're probably going to get you know ten or fifteen different opinions. Mm, yeah, and I think that's. That's fascinating. You, you let everybody have their say and go, okay, great, you know? And, and then you can discuss and like figure out what it means. Yeah, like, yeah, and you yeah. can go further into depth yeah. and play with it, you know? So, uh, I mean, you know, that's the whole thing. It's, it's just uh, playing with the language and, and um, getting, well, I, I suppose part of it is getting over the fear of it, right? Yes. And I would yeah. say that, well, as we've already discussed, is, is that you throw a book in front of some, you know, poor 14, 13, 14-year-old kid, I mean, hey, well, they're not interested. They're interested in a video game. And yeah. what are you showing me this for? What does this have to do with me? Yeah. You know? And yeah. you get that question all the time from you know, uh, students and sometimes, I suppose, even from adults and even from educators. You know, what does it have to do with me? Why should we be doing Shakespeare? And I go, well, you know, these stories are universal. It doesn't have anything to do with you have to study Shakespeare. It's... Mm. This is the greatest writer in the world. I'm sorry to say, yes, you know, he was, he is, still is, because if you can prove to me that somebody can write better than Shakespeare, and did, and already has, yeah. then why aren't we studying that person all the time? Yeah. yeah, and there are lots of great writers in the world, I'm not suggesting there aren't, mm. and lots of great storytellers, but Shakespeare was a great storyteller, and why are his stories still told all over the world? I think it has to do with the fact that, be, be, because we you know, still we said, find ourselves, right. In those plays, yeah, we time, do. Every time we, do I'm them, in there. You're in exactly. there. Somebody's in there. Every right? actor comes to it and says, "Oh, this is this is about me." Yeah, yeah. Well, it's always been about somebody. And yeah. It's always because we can. When once we can no longer find ourselves in, in those the play, stories, right? Then we'll stop. But then we'll stop doing. It. Right. Exactly. But but until that yeah. happens, we we can keep doing. Well, they're about humanity, mm -hmm. and the the great gift of Shakespeare was his, it, well, the greatest gift is probably his choice of words because mm -hmm. his choice of words is what defines him and separates him from other great writers. Mm -hmm. If we look back and even in history during that period, there's some amazing writers, you know, mm -hmm. during the Renaissance period of the Elizabethan Renaissance, and even before that, and 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 there have been other great writers, in, you know, after Shakespeare. But but what I always say this even to young people, so. Why Shakespeare? What separates them? You know, it has to be the words, mm -hmm. right? It has to be the words. And, and you know, and, and so I'm saying, okay, you, if you say, you know, this scene is Romeo and Juliet, and Romeo says, oh, you know, uh, it is my lady. Oh, it is my love. Oh, that she knew she were. Well, immediately I know how Romeo feels. Yeah. But if I change those words to, hey, wow, man, she looks great. Um, I'd really like to, uh, you know, date her if I could. Uh, but she doesn't like no, well, now I'm right, saying completely, not, different. completely yeah. different. It's, yeah. you know, it, it's lost any sense of romance, uh -huh. nothing. Yeah. You know, so I, so I say, well, yes, of course we can translate it, and that's good. That's a good thing to do. Um, but I said, what makes it different is the beauty of the choice of the words, the, and how he put them together, uh -huh. and it has a heightness that immediately tells us brings romance to the scene. Uh -huh. You know, uh, well, it, or it supplies it, opens it up to you as the as the receiver. Now uh -huh. the receiver, I am the audience. I begin to go. Oh, 
yeah, I know that feeling. Yeah. I know that feeling. Yeah. I know that feeling. And it doesn't matter. I say to people, listen, everybody feels, everybody wants to feel love. Everybody wants to feel this. And you have all those feelings inside you. And Shakespeare uh, gave his characters and endowed them with such great language that he brings forth those feelings. And people then can go, yes. I know that feeling. Mm -hmm. I I know when I'm really angry, and and this character seems like he's really angry right now. Yeah. Well, he probably is, you know, yeah. or he's insulting his wife as Othello does, you know, or or you know, tearing her up, which is awful. And kids go, "Why well, he was awful to her?" And I go, "Yeah, he is. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. it's you know, it's, uh, it's devastating." And but I'm saying those things happen in real life, and people do do those things, and are you know really admonish people mm -hmm. badly. But when they do it, I said. They probably can't use those beautiful words to do it. Uh -huh. They're probably yeah. using really foul language yeah. when they do it, right? Uh -huh. Or if you're angry, so some people want to be really angry, don't know how to express themselves. Well, so what do they do? You know, they either really use terrible foul language or go, you know, put their hand through a wall uh -huh. because yeah. they just don't, they don't have the words yeah. to express the, the depth of the anger they have. Yeah, yeah. But Shakespeare's character does it for you. Uh -huh. He lets you be privy to it. So he goes go ahead you know the language is heightened so what it does is separates those feelings from the actor to you and you can then be the receiver and go right yeah i man yeah i yeah light bulb goes on i got it i got it and you're right by saying when i start you know when the audience comes it takes a little while mm -hmm. to to adjust to the language but once you're in you go then all of a sudden it goes yeah 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 Characters speaking, 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 and sometimes people go, "Well, I'm trying to keep up with them." Going, it doesn't really matter. No. You're not supposed to understand every word. You're supposed to understand the feeling. What What is the character conveying? You know, yeah. if Hamlet's saying, "You know, you know, to be or not to be," that is the question. You know, there's a nobler in the mind. Well, we're going. Yeah, I guess he's talking about whether it's life or death, and yeah. how does he really feel about it? And you know, <laughs> he's yeah. saying all these. And by the end of it, you're going, "Wow, that guy's really uh, struggling." You know, yeah. and, and and you know, and you say. Exactly. So you understood that he's in a real struggle wow. and he, he's tormented. You know, his mind is tormented. So he's struggling with this and that and, and he's having real, you know, uh, feelings between life and death. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm saying, hey, millions and millions of people go through this. Yeah. On a constant basis, perhaps. Mm -hmm. You know, and some don't make it through. Yeah. You know? So, yeah. <laughs> I always find it interesting how the comedies still uh, work. Oh, you yeah, know? fascinating. Good thing. That, like, an audience once they become acclimated to the language, will find pretty much the same jokes funny. <laughs> and how, true. if you're just reading it, yeah. you go, I guess that was funny once. Yeah. It doesn't yeah, make any sense. I don't know. If yeah. you see it, then Right, it's yeah. Well, that's it. I mean, yeah. I mean, comedy often, yes. It, it, that, that's an interesting uh, insight because comedy often works off the basis of the situation mm -hmm. so in, if we don't un, if we don't really understand the situation it's mm -hmm. hard for us to laugh you yes. know because yeah. i'm saying you know uh, okay so but when we put it on our feet mm -hmm. uh, and we're speaking now i see what i'm saying to you and the situation is set up oh that is funny now i get wh mm -hmm. why it's funny and it makes me laugh yeah right um yeah. we were doing a production of midsummer night's dream this summer over here in the park as mm -hmm. an outdoor piece for the community uh, here in Weston, and um, uh, I, there were people in the park who were watching that show, and I was standing beside some of them, and I, either they'd never seen the play before, which, yeah, would make uh -huh. some sense, uh, and as some of the actors were saying some of the lines, uh, you know, in the comedy, I, people would laugh, and I'd go, yeah. oh, you, I think 
you just got that, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and I knew that, for instance, because a couple of them had asked me about the play, saying, oh, well, what's it really about? And I was going, right. well, you know, it's about numerous things, but I kind of give them a quick bird's eye view. But, oh, you'll, you'll kind of see when it unfolds. Yeah. And as it was unfolding, they were following the story. And, of course, it gets funnier and funnier mm-hmm. and funnier for yeah. that, right? But if you were just to read that off a written page, you would go... I don't get why that's going to be funny, you know, no. at the end, why these guys are doing a play within a play, you know, and he's dressed up as a, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On paper, if you're just reading it, you wouldn't think that that oh. play within a play would be funny. No. And yet, I've yeah. never seen it fail. No. no. Like, it's a gimme. Yeah. You could fail to make people yeah. laugh through the whole thing, but yeah. somehow that... You'll not, oh no, yeah. you're you're not going to fail. Yeah, oh night, oh night. You know, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know, it's bad. It's it's the classic idea of bad acting. You That's know, right. yeah. but but heartfelt bad acting. Mm-hmm. The actors trying to do it. You know, yeah. so I'm saying, you know, to the actors, always like, no, you, you're. It's beautiful. You're the. Yeah. This is the best. You're the best actor. Absolutely. You know, and you have to have a, that audience has to believe <laughs> that you believe in that, right? Yeah. And you are the best actor, <laughs> and and so when they see how the. Uh, uh, actor doing it aloud, and the situation is clear. Then, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're going. Oh, well, these are the, the these guys that are sort of the you know the workers and mechanicals that live in the village, but they've decided to put on a play. Yeah, and they're not actors, yeah. right? So yeah. that's the whole idea. Well, we're not really actors, but we're going to try, you know. Yeah. And, they, and they picked our play, and it's a terrible play. <laughs> yes, yes, and it is. And so they do it. And yeah, and they don't have to act it terribly because the lines are already terrible. So yes. all they have to do is believe in it, and it's still gonna work, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, Michael, what was your first experience with Shakespeare? Do you remember the first time that you hmm. saw Shakespeare or worked with Shakespeare? Yeah. Well, I'm, that's an interesting thing too. I remember. I there's one thing I do remember, and I. <laughs> I, I think it's pretty clear to me. I mean, I think I'm in grade 10, and I have this English teacher, and he's we're studying Shakespeare, and it could have been this play uh, that we were doing. I'm not sure if it was, but it probably was. Anyway, um, I don't know what I... I'm just sitting there, and all of a sudden, this sort of light went off in my brain and said, wow, this guy's really good. He's got something to say. I didn't. I don't even know if I knew what he was saying, but I just went, "Wow, that's like that's amazing. That's enlightening," you know. And I and I could see that he that he was like somehow you know light years away from our thinking, you know. And I wasn't there then, but I I just knew you know there was something in there, right? And I thought that's that's fascinating, right? Uh, and. Uh, you know, and I actually then uh, didn't uh, really get uh, interested in Shakespeare until I was so about twenty years. Old. I was in theater school, I think. Oh mm-hmm. uh, no, it was after. That's right. I I I got cast in a Shakespeare play, and so oh okay, great Shakespeare. You know, yeah. and first time I did one, and so we worked through the play, and I went, well, that's pretty fascinating. Um, and uh, and after that, I thought uh, I was acting a bit. So I thought, hey, you know, if I really wanted to be a better actor, um, maybe I should go and really study Shakespeare yeah. as an actor. Mm-hmm. So I went and did that. Uh, and once I did it, I recognized, wow, this guy's not just 
acting, this is the marathon of acting. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, you, this is really tough for an yeah. actor and you have to work really hard and you have to train really hard to do it well. And so going through that experience was incredibly powering, I think, you know, to me as an actor at that point in my life. And then I took that from that point of view. Uh, and I, I, uh, I hearkened back to when I was a student. Uh, I was on tour with a company once. Uh, this is when I was younger, uh, in, and I was still acting. Uh, and we were doing a Canadian play, by the way. And a teacher had asked us after the play if we could come into the classroom and talk about Canadian plays. And so we did. Yeah. And I was chatting with the class. And all of a sudden, up comes this question about, well, what do you know about Shakespeare? And I, and I'm like, well, great. And, uh, you know, I, I just, you know, finished working or studying with the Shakespeare Company for a couple of years. So I was, oh, this is great. What, what an opportunity. So I said, well, what's your problem? And they would say, you know, well, of course, it's the language and the words. And so I said, oh, great. Well, let's start there. Yeah. So I went to the board and I wrote a few lines and worked on it with them. And I saw by the time I left, they were like, wow, that's cool. That's really easy. You know, that changes my whole point of view mm-hmm. about it. So when I had left, I, I came away from that experience thinking, hmm. This is exactly where I was when I was in high school. Uh I was stuck right where you are. I had no idea what was going on. And then I just got this idea about starting a company that would, you know, uh, work with Shakespeare, with young people. Um, But then I had hearkened back again to the company that I had trained with. And they did a lot of work with students in in, in education. And, and, you know, uh, and they played with it, you know. And so I thought, okay, great, yeah. I'll use some of that work to begin, you know, that's what I knew. Uh, So I started on a real sort of tentative basis with it, uh, created a couple of other programs. And then once it got going, I just started building, you know, all my own stuff into it. And uh, it was, you know, just fun for me. It was just a journey then. It just became more and more fun about, you know, trying to, uh, find ways to to bring Shakespeare alive for you know not just young people but mm-hmm. in, then again any audience you know because I was uh, further I went you know suddenly I felt my I found myself working with all kinds of different groups mm-hmm. with groups in the communities it was you know um, uh, 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 you know elders it was um, intergenerational groups I was mm-hmm. working with and no matter who I worked with it was I just thought it was so much fun and fascinating mm. because everybody fell in love with it. Yeah. But I had to believe at the end of the day, the reason they were falling in love with it was that it was the way that I'd structured it as, you know, to bring it to them. I wanted to make it fun and accessible. Yeah. And it wasn't about me being, uh, you know, uh, cer- certainly a, a scholar in Shakespeare uh, because people would come and say, well, would you come and, you know, talk about Shakespeare? And I'd say, well, you know, I'm, I'm I'm really not, you know, interested in scholarly ideas necessarily uh-huh. about Shakespeare. I said I can talk about Shakespeare. I can, yeah. you know, I don't have a problem talking about it and and his works. I said, but I'd rather, you know, if I'm going to come and work, I said I'm, I'm going to come and have everybody work with Shakespeare with me, uh-huh. and I want them to be part of it. And yes, we could talk about Shakespeare also as we do it or go yeah. through it or after or whatever you like. But that's where I want to do it uh-huh. and. It's interesting that you'd asked me that question at the beginning of our talk was that uh, you said, you know, what would be your pitch? And I was at a conference a number of years ago. uh, uh, You know, it's kind of a big uh, higher education conference. And I had, you know, introduced myself and some of the work that I had been doing for years. And um, 
this was just later in the evening around a, a kind of a cocktail event and somebody from uh, another university came up to me and said, you know, I'm really fascinated by the kind of work you do. He said, so if I was asked you, what would your sales pitch be? You know, what would your, 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 your elevator pitch, what would it be? And I said, well, here it is. I can teach anybody to speak Shakespeare and get them up on their feet speaking, speaking Shakespeare in 15 minutes. Oh, he said, really? That's brilliant. <laughs> I thought, great, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I said, yeah, I, that, that, that's, that's exactly what my pitch is. Mm-hmm. You know, give me 15 minutes and I'll have you speak in Shakespeare. So, yeah. um, and I do still, I say, believe in that, that we can do that. And that's what we do with mm-hmm. all of the young people we meet. Yeah. Or I would say pretty much with any group that we can work with, mm-hmm. given any age, sure. right, right up from, you know, seven-year-olds to 75-year-olds, right? Yeah. So. When I came in here today, you were just finishing off a rehearsal. Yes. And you're doing, yeah. it's called Sound and Fury? <coughs> Sound and Fury, yes. And that yeah. sounds like it is an adaptation of the, the Scottish play? <laughs> yeah, well, it is an adaptation of the Scottish play written in a rap form, right? Okay. Uh, so um, what the idea was that we were exploring um, the connections between Shakespeare and hip-hop mm-hmm. about... We started about four years ago. Um, one of the actors I'd worked with a number of years named Marcel Stewart, uh, and, uh, and I had gotten together because Marcel was really interested in, in, uh, hip hop culture and, uh, and that was something that I didn't really know about him. Mm. And, uh, but I discovered it, of course. And then, uh, we were talking about it one day and I said, uh, you know, I tried to find a way that we could work with that because I'd really like to, you know, work with you some more and try to promote that. So we came to this idea about, uh, I had written a piece many years ago called, uh, kind of what's called a, a Shakespeare lecture demonstration. And so Marcel had actually done that. And he said, well, why don't we take that as the basis uh-huh. and we'll rewrite it. And I said, okay, well, you begin because I've already written that. So you take it and you can rate some of it and try to figure out the parts of the hip hop. Uh-huh. So we came together uh, uh, the first, you know, reiteration of it anyway. And we put it together and we toured it a little bit to kind of get some feedback. And, you know, people respond to it quite well. And then we thought, well, that's great. So let's, you know, I think we can build this more, I said. Uh, and uh, next time we did it, I said, well, we need more, you know, hip-hop in it, right? So as we did it about three or four more times, we kept infusing more, you know, hip-hop and marrying them with Shakespeare's, you know, uh, pieces so mm-hmm. that you could identify how they were similar and the similar aspects of them. And they were really based around the elements of, you know, spoken word, of course, and music and rhythm. And those were, those were the primary elements that we sort of said, well, these are the things that fuse that are very close together mm-hmm. and why these w- worlds live in a similar universe, right? Mm-hmm. And of course, they're also, you know, storytelling in Shakespeare was about human hum, humanity and human struggle, as was the first, you know, or the origin or origins of hip hop. Yeah. You know, were about these were people that were telling their story because they were, you know, uh, they were fighting for something, and they wanted you. They wanted to be heard, yeah. and so. Um, so we used a lot of those, and then we stu- you know, used the comparisons between those two worlds when we would go through it with the young people. And I guess one of the things after we'd done it for you know a couple of years, and then we had developed a workshop, a rap workshop, which we could do with young people where they would translate Shakespeare, I said to that, well, you know, one of the things I'd really love to do at some point is we would do a real play, the whole Shakespeare play. Mm-hmm. 
So we uh, we looked for some money for you know over a couple of years to try and put it together. Um, finally, when we received some money for the writing, we uh, we said, "Oh, this is great! We at least we can get started." Um, both Marcel and I had talked about a number of ideas first about oh, how would we do it and what would we do, and we had a, we had a you know a number of different ideas around it at first. And then when we were about to go into doing it, I, I had met with him again. I said, you know, I think we just should start with Shakespeare. Hmm. And let's just start with his play, and we will translate out of Shakespeare into, you know, more modern uh, text mm-hmm. uh, as best we can. And we'll, we'll try to retain as much Shakespeare in there as we can at first, you know, without throwing it all away, and, you know, see if we can uh, work with his metaphors and Etc. So we did that with the first um, draft, I should say, uh, which took us, by the way, a, a long time. <laughs> that was very, 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 very difficult to do. But it also both enlightened, I think, uh, Marcel and myself to the to the point. Wow! I mean, we thought we knew Shakespeare, but doing this, it's it's. Wow, how yeah. did you do that? How did you write? How, mm. I can't say that, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. like you did. I'm trying my best here. It's taken me half an hour to write two, you know, to translate two lines. Yes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so yeah. uh, anyway, we managed to finally get through the first draft, which was great. And then after that, we said, okay, we're going to keep going. And, you know, we want to do a production. And we got some money to do the production. And so as we moved on, Marcel wanted to take over the writing, which I said, Fine, that's great. It's really your bag. Mm-hmm. I'm, uh, I, I'll be 100% behind you. So I'll just do the dramaturgy with you, right? So that's what we did over the next sort of six or eight months. He kept writing. I kept dramaturging. Uh, so we got to this point in rehearsal where we have, I think, the ninth draft, mm-hmm. maybe, or tenth now, of uh, of the piece. Um, and I must say, from the beginning where we started to where it is now, I mean, I, I'm pretty impressed with... Mm-hmm. Um, with where we got to because I had no idea I don't think I had any idea where we'd end up and I don't think he did either mm. but but it, but but in essence you know we really were married to the idea let's stay with the story let's not veer away from it and make it mm-hmm. into something else that it isn't right. no? Shakespeare has such a strong story here uh, so we did and we also kept uh, a, the witch's uh, speeches in it intact okay only because we thought, you know, it's such unique language. Yes. Yeah. If we if we mess with it, then yeah, we're gonna take that world away. Yeah. And we don't want to do that because people are, I don't know, there's something about it that people are gonna know if they've ever read the play or heard it or whatever. They always go can remember. Oh yeah, I love the witches. Yeah, yeah. I thought, yeah. Well, let's not muck with that. Yeah. Let's just keep that intact. We'll see what we do with it in rehearsal. You mm-hmm. know, in terms of how we work with it, in terms of its rhythms and stuff. And and of course, you know, we knew that it would change with the actors mm. and we would infuse it with movement and different kinds of rhythms. Um, but uh, that was pretty much the only thing that we married mm. ourselves to. Mm. The rest of it was all up for, you know, change in a sense. And, but, you know, creating a sort of sense of uh, a spoken word rap all through mm. it. Um, and uh, I mean, I think outside of that, there's one small speech we kept intact of Lady M. Mm. If it's because it has to do with the spirit world, and right. we wanted to make sure that we kept that intact because she was going to contact the spirit world, sure. which is the uh, world of the witches. Um, and um, yeah, so 
Uh, you, you know, it's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun. And also, I must say, you know, just to give uh, um, Marcel a bit of a plug, I mean, for him, this is, I think, a, a huge accomplishment. And it is the first that I know of anyway, uh, Shakespeare play uh, written entirely in rap, mm-hmm. you know, in, in Canada that I know of. Yeah. I don't know another one right mm-hmm. now. I mean, we've looked and haven't seen anybody has done it. So I, I'm pretty... You know, proud of the fact that we took on the challenge yeah. and uh, said, yeah, we can do this. Yeah. You know, we can do this. And I think it only came because we started four years ago exploring and, mm-hmm. you know, we got excited about, you know, the values of this and maybe this would be an, another way or uh, to attract, say, a new audience to Shakespeare, mm-hmm. uh, particularly focusing on an audience maybe more from 18 to 35. Can yeah. we get that crowd, you mm-hmm. know, infused and interested uh and of course as well as younger audiences they're gonna you know they'll see this and they'll go oh yeah that's pretty cool Mm -hmm. yeah so you you know i I can you can do it different ways (laughs) what where would people be able to see this show well it's going to be run here at the uh new artscape weston common Mm -hmm. which is a a new uh, arts and cultural center here in the heart of the weston community Mm And so uh, there is a, uh, we have a um, studio theater here, small studio theater, mm-hmm. and there's also next door to us a uh, performance space. Right. So we'll be doing the production in the performance space mm-hmm. right next door, um, and it's easy to get here if you're living in downtown Toronto, places like that. You just get on the the UP Express, yeah. you get off at the Western Stop, right. and you walk it's right here. There. It's right there. Yeah. It's like a five-minute walk to this building. Yeah, it's beautiful. Uh, and it's easily accessible to people in North Toronto or Etobicoke or any places like that. So that's fantastic. We're really hoping that uh, we can spread the word and get people coming, you know, from different places to, 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 to see uh, this production. Because I think, as I say, it's pretty unique in the fact that we've done something with it that perhaps maybe nobody's done yet. Um, so... I think that in itself is probably worth the trip to see, you know, yeah, what we've done with it. And uh, we're having a lot of fun so far, so I don't think that'll change. And it's great. And we look forward to uh, when we can open it to the public. Awesome. Michael, thank you so much. It's been a great conversation. Oh, it's been lots of fun. Thank you. This has been a Homebody Productions production.